this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Understand this, at times when we've talked about freedom here, things can be a little bit uncomfortable. But if we don't speak on these things, it's very difficult for us to get set free. So we're going to go ahead and speak on these and let God move in your life today. So open to Proverbs 7. And we will begin in verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Now, right here, Solomon is he's telling us about the significance of the Word of God. And I don't know if you've ever treasured the Word of God, but I believe it's important that you treasure the Word of God. I treasure the Word of God. That the Word of God is that significant. Keep my commands and live. So when I obey the word of God, it's going to produce a life. And my law as the apple of your eye. Bind or tie them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. He's talking about memorize them. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin. Wisdom and understanding are, are your family members. And so real quick, he lays a foundation about the significance of the word of God. And he changes gears here in verse 5. Look what he goes on to say. That they, the word of God, may keep you from the immoral woman. They may keep you from the spirit of lust. From the seductress who flatters with her words. And so today, one of the bondage that I believe we really got to deal with, and I'm telling you, I wrestled with God about speaking on this, because I understand it makes people feel uncomfortable. But this is literally sexual immorality 101. And if you hadn't figured it out yet, we live in a society that's saturated with sexual immorality. It's after every one of us in this room, and it's after us every day, and it's relentless. Now, I can stand before you right here, and I can tell you, I've battled this in my own life. At a young age, I opened the door to this. And so even in my own life, the Lord had to set me free from this. And so I don't want to say it's easy for me to speak on it, but I will tell you this, Jesus will set you free in this area if you'll yield to him. Let's dig in here, and I want you to see some of the strategies of the spirit of lust. Verse 6, For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice, or I looked through my curtains, and I saw. Now, just real quickly or briefly in that first sentence there, he uses the word looked and he uses the word saw. So it tells me that the spirit of lust tries to come after us through our eyes. How many of you figured out that on a daily basis there are things sexually that are coming after your eyes and my eyes? All the time, it's relentless. You know, the other night I was watching the American movie not movie, American Music Awards. I don't hardly ever watch stuff like that, but as I turned there, it was amazing how many of the women on there were dressed so that people would look and engage them with their eyes. We're saturated with it. It's before us all the time. Keep reading. And I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding, or he liked common sense. Verse 8, passing along the street near her corner. Now when we read this, you're going to see words near or her and she. And all that's referring to is the spirit of lust. 
But it starts out here with maybe one innocent, seductive step. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, and he took the path to her home. A lot of times we have the thought, well, I can dabble just a little bit in it, but just one little step adds up to something that I don't want to be a part of or I don't want to go there. Verse 9, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and the dark of night. Now what this is talking about here, the spirit of lust wants us to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And one of the places the spirit of lust will come after us is at nighttime. And the reason of that is it doesn't want anybody to see. But how many of you ever figured this out in life, that anything I have to do to hide what I'm doing, it's probably a sign that something's wrong with it. And this is one of the areas that the spirit of lust will come after you at nighttime. Verse 10. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. And the crafty heart here was her attire. Now, I like to say this in our society, skin is in. That the less I have on, we have a thought that it's better. But I ask you this question, does your wardrobe, does it say, I want you to look at me? And I believe that's part of the issue right now. Look, 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 look. And so this is what he's getting into. And then he says here, her, her, her voice was loud and rebellious and her feet would not stay at home. At times, she, the spirit of lust, was outside at times in the open square, lurking or soliciting at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him with impudent or a hard face. Now when it says she caught him there, when this begins to take place in every one of our lives, one of the greatest examples of this is in the book of Genesis with a young man named Joseph. And when Potiphar's wife came after Joseph, what did Joseph ultimately do? He fled. He ran. He got away from it as quickly as possible. 1 Corinthians 6.18 tells me and you, flee youthful lust or flee sexual immorality. And the reason it tells us to flee this is because it's very deceitful. It comes across like it's okay. So we keep reading. So she caught him and kissed him with impudent face, and she said to him, I have peace offerings with me, and today I've paid my vows. I've read this passage here literally hundreds of times. And as I began to speak on this, I looked and I thought, so... What were the peace offerings and what were the vows that they were talking about here? This was a woman that evidently went to church and she paid her vows. She honored the Lord on the Sabbath. I even wonder if she didn't give that day. And this verse is literally cross-referenced into Matthew 23, 23, which says, You paid your tithes, but but least you have neglected the weightier matters. In other words, you've come to church and you've paid your vows and you've honored God, but you've allowed even the spirit of lust to dominate you and the deception comes with this. But I went to church. Everything's okay. And so even right here, I see at times as believers, the spirit of lust can camouflage itself. It can masquerade itself where we think, but I go to church. Keep reading, verse 15. 
So the spirit of lust says, I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, alloys, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning, and let us delight ourselves with love. The problem with this right here is lust is never love. Love masquerades itself as love, but what you find out with lust is it drives you. And it's very similar to that of drugs or alcohol that it says it's never enough. And it will never be enough. And this is where it tries to lead every one of us. And he goes on to say in verse 19, For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. And he will come on the appointed day. And when you read this, it's as if he's saying, Lust has everything planned out. It's okay. We'll never get caught. My husband's gone. It's okay. The problem with this is you've already gotten caught. You know why? Father God sees everything we do. And, and Numbers 32, 23 says this. Your sin will find you out. In other words, it's going to catch up to you. And this is part of the problem with the, the spirit of lust, that it wants to tell you everything will be okay. It'll work out. Verse 21. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went out after her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Or as a fool, which is here referenced as a lamb to the correction of the stocks or the shackles. So when you read here as the ox goes to the slaughter, he's literally warning us that you're going to have to fight for your life. And look how he ends. Till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. So he uses the ox, he uses the lamb, and he uses the bird. And he says, the person that yields to the spirit of lust is going to ultimately experience the same things these experienced. And look how he ends in verse 23. He did not know it would cost his life. He did not know it would cost his life. So you know what this tells me? I don't care how smart you are or how strong you are. The ox was strong. The bird was smart. He did not know it would cost him his life. Keep reading, verse 24. Now therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. One of the strongest men that was slain by the spirit of lust was King David. Now, As I look at King David's life, and when he had the, the adultery affair with Bathsheba, I really wonder if he thought, I'm too smart. I'm so strong, that will never get me. But yet it did. And you think of the ingredients that got King David. He went out on his rooftop at nighttime. And he looked across the courtyard 
with his eyes. And so because of his eyes and, and because the time of night it was, he fell. And this is just a warning to every one of us. And look how it ultimately ends here. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. And so if I persist in this lifestyle, understand this is where it's going to lead me. So a couple things we're going to address today. Number one, how do I conquer this? Well, it's through the Lord Jesus, but we've got to learn to guard our mind. We're going to talk about what it means to guard our mind. Number two, I've got to stay away from settings or friends that will lead me to yield to this. How many of you have ever had a friend that you knew if you went out with them that night, you were going to sin even though we didn't call it sin? I knew that. See, today's thrills can be tomorrow's ruin if we're not very careful. Now, one of the reasons that, that I battled in, t- in, in speaking on this, I realize this makes us feel uncomfortable. But I came across a stat last week that ultimately amazed me. Now, listen to this percentage here. Among teenage boys right now in the United States of America, 90% of them have dabbled in pornography. Nine out of every ten. So we can look around this room, and you know what that means? Most of us men in here have, have, have dabbled in it. And ultimately, we're the same men that become fathers, and we're the same men that become husbands. And I'm not saying you that's, that, that it's right to do that or it's wrong. I'm just saying, you begin to see what happens to our society. Now, I can tell you this right now. As a teenager, I dabbled in stuff that I shouldn't have. The way that I get rid of this stuff is, is I learn to allow Jesus to set me free, but I stay full of God. When I stay full of God, I'm going to tell you things are good. And so we're going to study today on what we can do to get free from this. Go to the book of Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Now I'm going to give you a couple of definitions and some things that will help you as we turn to Romans 13. One is a, a term I've, I've termed premarital adultery. Premarital adultery. And what I mean by that is because when you commit sexual sin today, you're cheating on the person you'll marry tomorrow. Wow. And if I make a foundation today of sin, but I think I'm going to live a, a marriage of purity later, I'm going to get into trouble. And that was one of the areas I had to be set free, guys, that I'd open the door up and open the door up to that. The word sexual immorality, that phrase in the Greek comes from a Greek word called porneia. P-O-R-N-E-I-A. It's the exact word we get our language porn for. That word porn or sexual immorality in the Greek means this. Anything, let me read it, anything that causes sexual arousal outside of marriage. Anything. So anything that I watch on TV that causes arousal, I've gotten into something that I don't want to. And if you've opened the door to this, you can still close it, but you're going to have to have Jesus really help you. Now I can tell you this in my own life, if I go to the mall with Shelly, I have to stay away from Victoria's Secret. You know why? Now, just listen to me. I'm being serious. <laughs> you can laugh at it. 
The reason for that, if I walk by that window, they will literally have posters in there and that I see them with my eyes. And you know what it does to me? It paints a picture in me that I don't need to go there. So if you were to walk by Victoria's Secret with me, you know what you would see me do? I would literally turn my head because I cannot entertain those thoughts. So what happens here with the spirit of lust on everyone, and this is for women too, is the spirit of lust becomes like a drug or an alcohol. And you know what it says? I got to have more, I got to have more, I got to have more, I got to, and it's relentless. Look with me here in Romans chapter number or chapter 13. Let's begin in verse 11. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this. Boy, what a great way to start. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of your sleep. And he's talking about wake up spiritually. For now is our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent. You see what he said there? The night. The day is at hand at Jesus' return. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So what he's telling us there is there's got to be a great exchange that I put off this, but i got to put on that. And it's the same with your clothing. Whatever you put off becomes your choice and whatever you put on. But right here he tells us, you got to put this off and the way you put it off is start putting this on. Verse number 13. Let us walk properly or decently as in the days. Not in revelry and drunkenness. Not in lewdness. Look at this next one. And lust. Not in strife and envy. Now, the, the message says it this way. Let us not walk in wild parties, drunkenness, sexual immorality, strife, or jealousy. Now, what the Apostle Paul here is doing for us is he's emphasizing a high moral standard. How's that? Well, look at the next verse, verse 14, because it's twofold. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How do I put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Number one, I surrender to Him as Lord and Savior. The second thing I begin to do is I start living by His standards. I learn to fellowship with Him. And one of the greatest things every one of us can do is we can say, Lord Jesus, help me today. Help me today. So the first thing he tells us is put on Jesus. Look at the second thing. But make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. The word provision there means don't make plans. Don't make premeditated plans. Don't prepare to fulfill the lust of your flesh. And so what this begins to say to me is any time that I give myself over to sexual immorality, I start making plans for it. I start preparing my heart. And he said one of the cures here is put on the Lord Jesus. Now let's look at another cure. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. See, part of the deceit that goes with this is we think we can get close to it. We think we can flirt with a little bit and it won't get us. But once again, it goes back to what I said a minute ago. It's always saying more, 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 more. When, when me and Shelly got married, I, I went to Bible school back in Oklahoma. And when we moved back there, 
the apartment complex we lived in, I got around a guy who was actually an instructor at the Bible school I went to. He was a great man of God, and he took me under his wings, and his future wife was in our apartment complex too, and ultimately they got married. And after about a year and a half, Shelly was in contact with the wife, and she said this, I don't know if we're going to make it in our marriage. And after about three years, she divorced her husband, the man who was a tremendous man of God. Well, to come to find out, he started dabbling in pornography just a little bit. Just a little bit. But remember this, pornography says more, more, feed me, feed me, feed me. And so late at night, he was going out and he started going to the strip clubs. And after that, it turned into an actual adultery affair. And out of all that, he lost his marriage. He lost his job. To this day, he's never gone back into the ministry. One of the most gifted speakers I've ever heard in my life. But the worst thing that happened to him is to this very day, he lives with shame. And I think back to what Solomon said in Proverbs 7.23. He said, he didn't know it would cost his life. And that's the thing that gets everyone. I didn't know it would cost my life. I'm not going to mention this pastor, but he's one of the greatest pastors in America right now. And in his teenage years, he gave way to this. And, and I don't want any of you young guys in here thinking, well, pastor gave way to that, and boy, he turned out pretty good. I'm going to tell you guys right now, I caused a lot of pain. And thank God Jesus set me free. But it wasn't easy. But this pastor, I heard him say recently, that there were times he could be in his pulpit speaking on a, on a Sunday morning, and he would literally see a beautiful woman walk in, and he said right there from the pulpit while he was preaching, the spirit of lust would come on him. And he said one day to his wife, he said, Honey, I just got to tell you this. I'm dominated by the spirit of lust. And you know what she said? I know. She knew. And Jesus has set him free. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus will set you free today. Now listen to what takes place here in James chapter 1. Verse number 12. Blessed. Blessed. Now I'm going to stop right there. Blessed. I don't know about you, I love the word blessed. But blessed isn't like you walking under an apple tree and it just hits you in the head. It just falls on you, okay? When you see the word blessed, there's something that's got to take place for me to walk in that blessing. You want to see what it is? Blessed is the man who endures temptation. It doesn't say blessed is the man that gives in to temptation. It says blessed is the man who endures or overcomes temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who loved him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So when you're tempted with evil, understand this, that's not from God. God doesn't solicit sin. There's a difference between temptation and testing. Understand this, when temptation comes to get you to do evil... It's from the devil. And what it's like is like going fishing. He throws out a, a bait. 
And he's just hoping that you're going to grab onto it. Let me tell you about this real quick about temptation. It's not a temptation for, for, or it's not sin for you to be tempted. It's sin when you act on the temptation. So you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can sure keep them from nesting in your hair. Same as temptation. So what the devil does is he's throwing out temptation on every one of us. See, how many of you have ever figured this out? The devil studies us. He knows us. You know, the devil, he's not going to come and, and tempt me with, with something way out there that he knows I'm not going to mess with. He's going to tempt me with the very things he knows. See, the devil doesn't come after you with your strengths. He comes after you with your weakness. If you've ever given in to sexual temptation, he's going to keep coming after you. You know why? Because he knows I've gotten there before. Pastor, does he come after you with it? Yeah, he does. That's why I told you what I did about Victoria's Secret, because I've got to constantly wear a guard around myself. Keep reading, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires or his own lust, and he's enticed. That word enticed means trapped. So he's going to come after you. An inward temptation gives way to an outward manifestation. Something on the inside starts happening. I mean, you know what I say? I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And you know what the devil does then? He sets the hook and he starts reeling. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire or lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. What does all that mean? I'm going to liken that to a pregnant woman. When a woman gets pregnant, there's a seed that drops down into her womb. The first day, the first week, the first month, do you see anything? No, you don't. But after a period of time, you start seeing her belly gets bigger, and her belly gets bigger, and her belly gets bigger, and before long, she gives birth. See, this is the exact same way with the sin. When it starts, it gets down in there, and you don't see it. And so what happens to us as human beings when you don't see? Hey, I didn't get caught. It must be okay. But really the devil is building on the inside of you and building on the inside of you. And ultimately what's going to happen, if I continue in that sin, it's going to give birth to something that I don't want. And ultimately the consequence is, is death. You, you end up with the same thing that King David did. Now look how he ends this in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. He's talking to believers there. And you know what he's warning me and you? We're not exempt. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean he's not going to, he's going to come after you. So what do we do? Well, this is going to be my last verse, 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, and we're going to give us a little insight today on this. And as you're turning to 2 Corinthians 10, I'm going to quote a verse for us today that I believe is going to really help us. Revelations 12, 11 says, We overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. In that verse right there is two key ingredients for every one of us. Number one, Jesus wants you delivered. You know how you get delivered? The blood of Jesus. I believe today, and we're going to pray for people, I believe Jesus will set you free today. There's no doubt in my heart that the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus has an eternal warranty on it. It's still as powerful as it's ever been. But where we've messed up, and I say we as the church without teaching people, is this. We've gotten people delivered, but we haven't taught them how to be discipled. 
How are we discipled? The word of the testimony. How does discipleship take place? By renewing our mind to the word of God. So what ultimately happens to us is when we get set free, we go back home and if we don't change the way we think, we jump back into the very thing we were delivered from. How many of you have ever had people pray for you? You go home and the very next day you do the, the very sin that you were prayed for. Every one of us probably. So what do we usually do? The name of Jesus just doesn't work. The blood of Jesus just doesn't have any power. No, that's not it. The blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus is strong today as it used to be. The issue is we haven't got discipled in the Word of God. We haven't got renewed in our mind. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh, so is he. So the key is this. We've got to change the way we think. How do we change the way we think? Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I've got to start thinking in line with the Word of God. So in saying that, look real good here. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Even though I'm here on this earth physically, my weapons aren't of the physical. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal of the flesh, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Do you know every stronghold originates in your mind? That's where it first starts. And so what happens is you start believing a lie. I got to have it. I got to have it. Let me tell you about a stronghold. A stronghold can be either negative or positive, good or evil. In other words, a stronghold is neutral. How's that? Psalms 18.2 says, The Lord is a stronghold of my life. The Lord is a stronghold of my life. So what ultimately happens to us as people or human beings, when life squeezes us, when life gets hard, when life pressures us, we run back to a stronghold. The problem is we've run to the wrong stronghold. Instead of running to Jesus, we run to sexual immorality, we run to drugs, and we run to alcohol. Why? Because there's something in my mind that hadn't been renewed. So he talks about a stronghold here. Now, keep reading here with me. Casting down arguments, theories, or reasonings, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge or the Word of God. How do I do that? Bring every thought into captivity. Bring every thought into captivity. Okay, so today you go home and you happen to be watching a football game and next thing you know, men, there's the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. And all of a sudden, these thoughts come. What do you got to do? You got to cast those thoughts down. You got to capture that thought. And how do I capture that thought? I begin to think in line with the Word of God. If I don't start thinking in line of the Word of God and say, huh, not in the name of Jesus, I'm going to tell you, it's not only going to come knocking, you're going to answer again. So he tells me, capture every thought, how? By the obedience of Christ. That word obedience means attentive learning. To assent to the Word of God. To agree with the Word of God. So what he begins to do here is he tells me, I've got to think differently. I've got to begin to think in line with the Word of God. Let's just pretend today that your mind is a train station. And all day long, trains are coming and going. Coming 
and going, coming and going. You know how you're going to arrive at your destination? By what train you get on. And understand this. The devil is going to try to bring thoughts. And if I will begin to act on the word of God and say, Nah, God didn't teach me that. God didn't say that. And so I can take you back over and over in my own life as a teenager. I was thinking about this the other day. I, I remember when I got born again, they would say, we're having an altar call for lying. I would go up. The next week they'd say, we're having an altar call for cussing. I would go up. The next week, we're having an altar call for the sexual immoral. I would go up. Before long, I said, we're having an altar call for all the drunks. I would go up. And you know what I began to realize? I need a complete overhaul. I'm in pretty bad shape. But when I would begin to respond to Jesus, he would set me free. And then the discipleship became in. And I'm going to give you a verse here that you can stand on in any arena of your life. Colossians 1, 12 and 13. That it says that Jesus has qualified me to be a partaker of the inheritance in life. Jesus is qualified. It's not by me having a 38-year-old uh, Sunday school pin on. It's not because I'm holy or not. It's only because of Jesus. In verse 13 it says, He has, plural, already done it. He has delivered me out of the power of darkness and transferred me into the kingdom of light. What's darkness in your area? It can be spiritual lust. And so I begin to say, I thank you today, Lord Jesus. You've transferred me out of the kingdom of alcohol. You've transferred me out of the kingdom of lust. You've tra and when those thoughts would begin to come, I'd say, nah, nah, nah. Jesus has transferred me out of that. I've been set free. You no longer have dominion over me. I've gone from one realm into another realm. I've gone from the realm of darkness into the realm of light because of the blood of Jesus. Pastor, did you get set free immediately? Nope, I didn't. Some instance I did. This may be a mystery to some of you, but I smoked a lot of dope growing up. And when I gave my heart to Jesus, that desire left completely. Boom. Boom. Never again. I didn't have a problem giving up cussing. But there were a couple of them that were a real stronghold in my life. You know what the definition of a stronghold is? A stronghold. It's like there were things that had me in a headlock, so you know what I had to continue to do? I had to speak the Word of God. And I had to meditate on the Word of God. How many of you in here want to have good success and, and prosperity in your life? I'm going to give you the key. Joshua 1.8 says, Don't allow this book of the law to not get out of your mouth. In other words, speak the Word. And he said, Meditate on it there in day and night and do, that you may observe to do all that's written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. What was the key? Start speaking what God says about you. I'm not bound by lust. Jesus is the stronghold of my life. And then allow that meditation of the Word of God to come in. And God will begin to transform you. And don't give up. Don't ever look in the mirror and say, it's not working. Remember, that seed, even with sin, the way it starts, it doesn't look like anything's happening. The seed in the pregnant woman, it's the same way with the seed of the Word of God. When I begin my heart to the Lord, that Word will start working in me. Speak to it. Meditate on it. 
and God will set you free. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.